I was a guy that had to sit behind a guy for four years. Oh, you got to really put that work in day in and day out um, because your opportunity will come. I didn't know when, but I just knew that if I kept working, it would all work out. Me and Daniel, we've been talking about it, uh, being one of the best duos in the league, man. And we all got a chip on our shoulder now, and I hate it for the guys who, <laughs> who have to go against us. This is the Minnesota Vikings podcast episode 140. Wow, what a run it's been on. What a run. And it's going to be a big run for the Vikings as we head into the NFL draft. Kicking off on Thursday. So when this drops, it's almost, what, a week away? Can't believe we've had all this talk just to finally be right here at the moment where we're going to really see what this new Viking staff is going to be looking for. So many question marks, right? I mean, free agency just passed. I feel like people kind of have an identity Mm -hmm. of what who Kevin O'Connell is as a head coach as far as like the offseason wise and then Quasey. But we really won't understand their true identity. It may take a couple of years still, but we really won't understand their entire process that they talked about this past February until April 28th when they make that first draft selection. We all have speculated all the mock drafts are still out. There will probably be a boatload of mock drafts between now and the next time we record our podcast next week, next Tuesday or Wednesday. So it's more so of just trying to figure out, all right, what is the what is the pulse of the team? Like, where are they leaning? And we got another week till we find out. This is the beauty of the NFL. It's the uh, hype of the pre-draft. Then the draft actually happens Everyone can then give their opinions of the post draft, and then <laughs> That's it, my favorite part. and then it runs into the off season. <laughs> like again, the NFL never stops. It's it's twenty four seven, three sixty five. The one thing that's always interesting, especially this time of year, this is the season of the liars. This is where all of the subterfuge starts. Mirrors. Yeah, it just start, <laughs> everything just starts getting stirred up. You get all of the well, this mm-hmm. player might get traded. These trades might happen. This player is rising up the board. This one's falling. This one's got question marks. All of it is the season of the liars. Everyone is trying to put out as much subterfuge as possible just to get whoever they want to fall to their spots. I'm the most curious to see what is the MO of how we draft this year. Um, something that's been talked about even from the beginning of Quasi and Kevin coming in here is, you know, what is their strategy going to be? Who are they going to want? What are they going to want to do? This is where you start to see a little bit of peek behind the curtain. And um, I'm just excited to see exactly what's going to happen, if we're going to trade, what what's the MO of the style of players they go after, what's their style of aggressiveness. You're getting down to the last few days before actually, you know, Christmas Day happens. You can start opening your gifts and see what you got. Yeah, you know, Quasi's not a guy, I think, that believes in pressure of a situation. I think he kind of thrives in it and lives off of it. I know he said a few quotes before about how this is just – the moment, like you just take advantage of this moment. This is your job. You prepare for this. There's no pressure when there's preparation is I think what he usually says. Yeah. He always says you have to be comfortable with uncertainty and that's what he tries to instill in his scouting staff, even the interns. And I think that that's a a blessing for life, right? There's so many uncertain times, but having a guy in Quasi in that position with the Vikings basically saying, uncertainty is just a part of the job. If you're okay with that, then everyone will get their job done effectively. So hopefully that comes to light April 28th when the the draft rolls around because these are some very uncertain times for what the Vikings are going to do. You know, in the conversations we had in the past with like Jamal and and Monins and some of these different people, the amount of preparation that goes into that weekend is unbelievable. Uh, They've been working on this basically since July. And then all of the, the, 
evaluations and everything that have happened basically since November until basically March. And then there's just, there's so many scenarios, so many kind of mocks that they go through, you know, what happens if we get a phone call from this team beating around the bush, trying to figure out from other teams, you know, what do they need? Who do they want? What are the potential picks that they're going to make? The, the, the wild card is whenever somebody just completely random comes off the board in the past, it's usually been the Raiders making that pick, but having those scenarios kind of throw a little bit of a monkey wrench, but for our, everything that's been said, especially on Quasi's end of preparation to be able to be comfortable in the chaos. Um, I, I have a lot of faith in these guys. It's just, again, curious what to see what their MO is and how they handle the situation. And these mock drafts have been all over the place. You know, when we first started this journey into figuring out what the Vikings draft needs are, it was really heavy corner. And it still really is heavy okay. cornerback. But I think catching some steam here lately is the fact that the Vikings could go receiver in yeah. first round. And I'm like, I'm, I'm and Eric, Eric uh, Smith was on the podcast. Was he on the podcast? I know we were talking. So we were talking to him after we did a podcast a couple of weeks ago. He was sitting in between Tatum and I, and he was basically talking about why we should go Garrett Wilson over a cornerback. And I'm, I've been hard pressed on a cornerback. I'm mm-hmm. like, dude, yeah, cornerback. I don't want to talk about anything else, especially after we got Zadarius Smith. So after looking at some of these mock boards lately, I'm just like, when you look at the past history, of course, the ultimate goal is to win a Super Bowl, right? But when you look at the past history of like teams that have won the Super Bowl, they have been way better than they have been on offense than they have been on defense. And I mean, from the L.A. Rams last year to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the, the last five Super Bowl winners have been in the top five in total offense and finished the year. On defense, they've been in like 6th, 17th, 20th, 21st. So when it looks at when I look at the, this this upcoming draft, I'm like, all right, do we want to just outscore opponents and just say F the defense? Because <laughs> that's pretty much what a lot of teams have been doing. They get a yeah. solid pass rusher, and then they just load up on the, the offensive side of the ball, the, the Buccaneers, the Kansas City Chiefs, L.A. Rams. So Garrett Wilson or another receiver, that may fall right there. I don't know if Jamison Williams, he may be a project because he's injured, but – I'm not I'm not all in as of I mean, we're recording at 1103 as of 1045 this morning. I'm not really all in on a cornerback anymore. No, it's hard because if you think about the way that the entire league has shifted, even a decade ago, the amount of top tier running backs that were going in the draft early that everyone's like, you got to have a top tier guy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because of the rule changes that have happened, the amount of, uh, I guess, pass interference changes that have happened and the idea of of uh, roughing the quarterback and that kind of stuff. The idea of having a top-tier wide receiver playing with a top-tier quarterback Mm -hmm. is crucial for every single team. And like you said, the idea now is basically we're just going to try to outpoint you. (laughs) And with our guys coming from L.A. with that being the M.O. and them kind of saying, like, we're going to put people in in mismatches in order to make things painful for other teams – that is the M.O. of what the Rams did last year to win yeah. it. That's the M.O. of Kansas City. That's something we've talked about in the past, too, of wanting like speed playmakers. Mm-hmm. That is the idea of we're just going to out sprint you. Let's see if you can keep up and, and go. And so, again, like the idea of a wide receiver, even a top flight tight end at some point here in the draft, getting extra weapons to make this offense as lethal as possible and just put a lot of teams players in bad situations. That is the new MO of how the NFL thrives so far. So yes, we need quarterbacks. Yes, we need pass rush because it was such a glaring issue. We had a top statistical offense last year Mm -hmm. with a 
bottom statistical defense, that is something that everyone's just looking at saying, would we have had a better season if our defense was better? I have no problem shoring that up. But if you're talking <laughs> being able to get a top-tier stud who can come in right away and contribute on offense, that is not something I am opposed to. Yeah, at Purple Buckeye on Twitter says, draft a wide receiver at 12 and just outscore everyone to hell with what the cornerback room looks like. Well, and if you think about what you're saying, though, top 10 offense and how many of those games came down to one drive. You don't have to make the defense even go, like you said, Gabe, in the top 10. It doesn't have to be a top 10 defense because even if you go from, you know, 30th or 26th or whatever it was and you make it 15. That's an improvement, and that to me is probably the difference between some of those one score, one drive games from Just last season. That's Just it. Self scoring, man. I mean, being thirtieth in overall defense doesn't really help. But when you look at like the twenty eighteen New England Patriots that that won a Super Bowl, they were twenty first in overall defense. They were fifth in overall offense. We were fourth in overall offense in that year and twentieth in overall defense. So there, there is there is some some proof in the pudding that mm-hmm. if you just outscore people. You're going to put butts in seats first and foremost because that's what the, the NFL wants. They want it to be shootouts every game. But more importantly, you're going to win some of those close games because somebody has to get tired. And if you have more weapons than the other team, you pretty much are going to always win that battle if you don't turn the ball over. And I should, before we get so far down into this draft talk, preface this conversation with the fact that we don't actually sit in the draft meetings. I thought you did, Taylor. You know, I, that would be very nice because then I could come in here and really, you know, break some news, uh, you know, pull people's legs and tell them in the completely opposite directions. But, but subterfuge. Exactly. I, but, but we're not. So this yeah. is still just a lot of us speculating. For we're sure. we're kind of tossing things around just in case you think just, you know, this is the official podcast. We're not actually yeah. in the meetings. And I think it's, it's to that point. That is sure. a great. I'm glad you made that point but i mean everything that we've talked about on this podcast on pick six on any other platform has been well the vikings should go defense so Mm -hmm. i think this provides a a healthy balance of like yeah well what if the vikings don't go defense here are some options on the offensive side of the ball and this is history to prove why we were saying some of these Mm -hmm. these quotes but like you said we we don't (laughs) this podcast (laughs) is the minnesota vikings podcast (laughs) but like we're, we're, we're not in those meeting rooms and it's great to have you know, the, the flexibility and, you know, um, clearance by people at the top yeah. to be able to, you know, entertain fans yeah. because a lot of fans want to understand why would the Vikings go off into side of the ball or defense side of the ball. But I, like I said, as of 1045, yeah. Wednesday morning, April 20th, <laughs> I was, hey, I'm all cornerback. Like, don't, I mean, even on pick six <laughs> yesterday, I'm like, we're going to get Sting. Like, if Sting what, was there, let's get him. What changed? What made you change your mind? Um, someone sent me a text message last uh, night. I actually had it like wasn't a, at Purple Buckeye. <laughs> no, they sent me Purple Buckeye because I'm like, gotcha. no, I'm like, we're going corner. And some someone sent me a text message. Was like, dude, just stop thinking the way you're thinking and look at the wide receiver position. And if you have some some homework to back up why I'm saying this, mm-hmm. then let's have a conversation afterwards. So literally, while driving into this to TCOPC today. I was just doing research and, you know, before. Hopefully we, not on your phone while driving. On, yeah, I, yeah, I had Siri tell me. <laughs> there you um, go. <laughs> but yeah, just, Siri, who are we drafting this <laughs> <Yeah>. week? <laughs> um, and just listening, just just formulating that research and then like putting some stuff in. I'm like, dude, like offense is, you know, defense wins games. They say defense wins championships. But I think defense wins championships and championship games. Like because usually you're going to have two really good offensive teams. Mm-hmm. Whoever has the better defensive team in that game that got you to that point, that's what's going to propel you over the top because 
it's still a quarterback pass driven league and you still have to to look at it that way granted you want your defense to be able to stop teams but you know these these guys on the offensive side of the ball they get paid too to further this argument a little bit more I mean we talk so much about Quasi and his decision making and obviously it is his call but they also preach collaboration yeah very and, and communication within this organization now head coach Kevin O'Connell with his offensive pass with his offensive mind that not that saying that's a tell but that's just to support your argument like he's may want this receiver with the 12th pick he likes 11 personnel that would allow him to do that a little bit more he doesn't really have to manipulate this roster to fit his scheme he can just have his scheme yeah. and put new players into that and so you know, not saying that'll happen, but that's another point to maybe they are looking at it from that perspective because of who the head coach is. Right. And they just come. It's, it's That's a great point. And just having Quasi's background mixed with that coming from a Browns offense. I mean, coming from a Browns game that predicated to having two really good pass rushers. And then look at Denzel Ward, who just got extended uh, the other day. Like they want to sign really good cornerbacks. They, they really approach their defensive side of the ball in the draft. Granted, Nick Chubb and, and Baker Mayfield, they those are two really good picks for them also. But if you go back to his days in I San Francisco. I think Mayfield's arg- arguable. No comment. Um, <laughs> when you look at his, this, the days of his days in San Francisco, those yeah. were defensive-minded teams. So when you mix Quasi's background with Kevin's background, who's like very yeah. offensive-minded, that's what makes all this thing so interesting. So it's like, it's great that we're having these conversations. Like, hey, we got two guys that, come from two opposite backgrounds like they may just go best player available which may be uh uh <laughs> don't even say it Gabe. do not say it well they may just go best player available so <laughs> we, we don't know what what the future holds but th- this is this is why i love this time of the year but see best player available is a luxury we have at this point yeah. given the speculation we had at the beginning of free agency yeah i know we've hammered this over and over again but just the idea that they have done a ton of moves this offseason to try to shore up some of those things that if it is somebody in a position that we don't necessarily on the outside world look at it and say, wow, that didn't look like a need. But for them, they've identified this is a top caliber person that could be a, a you know game changer for, for a long time for this team. They have the luxury to do that. On the flip side, something that you were just talking about, think about the fact that Kevin O'Connell coming from the Rams where they haven't had a first round pick and they're not going to for, I think it's seven straight years. It's just the mentality that they're basically buying proven commodities. The difference is that gets a lot more expensive when Mm -hmm. you start having those kind of players on your, on your roster. They went out and got a Matt Stafford last year and it worked out for him. The question is how long can you ride that train until it really gets painful for the, the later years of your career. But it's going to be interesting now to see what the mentality is again of the coaching staff, the the GM, whatever they've worked together, the scouting department. They're working with the idea of we have a roster of players. The majority of them are people that we didn't have a say in and who we picked mm-hmm. given how do we function moving forward for the next, you know, what's the plan for the next decade for this team and how do we start changing over for the identity of our team versus their team with this first draft. And we, I want to see a little bit more of, of the layers of the onion being peeled back and just try to see if you can get a feel of, is this for now? Is this for the future? Or what do potentially these changes signal 
for their mentality moving forward after the 2022 season. That's really, those are all really good points. I'm going to go back to your first point of free agency this year. You made a really good point maybe two or three weeks ago. You said the signings of Patrick Peterson and Zadarius Smith helps us in the draft because it gives us more flexibility to go best player available. So we don't have to put all our, our eggs in one basket just focusing on a pass rusher or cornerback instead of, hey, well, who's on our draft board? All right, this guy is – we think we value this guy a little bit more than this guy. And if they're both on the board, you can go best player available versus, hey, well, we we have to have this right now and skip out on somebody that's a generational talent. So interesting times. In saying that too, here's the best part. We're all talking about the first round. Yeah. Everyone is talking about the first round. The problem is, is that that is the only thing you can kind of clearly see. Mm-hmm. Here's what the numbers are, and here's most likely what's going to guesstimate to happen. Yeah, I think whenever you look back on drafts, and you, my, one of my favorite things is go back and look at all the experts of their mock drafts, and it's like the day before saying, here's how it's going to shake out. Yeah. And if they hit 50%, they're lucky. Mm-hmm. And, and so everyone's speculating the first round. We keep forgetting you start pulling some top-tier talent in rounds two, typically rounds three. Rounds four through seven is when things get a little more murky, but mm-hmm. you can still find your diamonds in the rough at that point. But the idea of you know what happens if the Vikings trade back and you snag another second or third round pick? What happens if the Vikings identify? What if we've identified somebody that's in like the top five or top eight mm-hmm. and we give up a bunch of draft capital to move up and snag somebody like that? It's exciting. At the same point, you're like, how does the trickle-down effect affect the rest of those positions that we need to pull something from? I just remember when I was in Washington, same year as Kevin, and when, the same year we drafted Dwayne Haskins with 15th overall. I was in Nashville during the pick. But I remember like talking to some people that I were in a draft room, and they were saying Kevin and a few other people were like banging the table on trying to draft back – well, to trying to trade back up in the first round because there was a guy named Montez Sweat yep. who was 6'6", ran a 4'4 at the combine, but he had a heart condition that a lot of teams were skeptical on. So he was supposed to go in the top 10 but kept sliding. We had a second-round pick, and I think we had two fourths a or something along those lines. And they said he was one of those guys that banged the table for Montez Sweat. Now look at him. Yeah. We traded back up to get him. Didn't have a second-round pick that year, but we spent the third-rounder on Terry McLaurin that year. Now look at what Terry McLaurin has done. So there's so many variables, and mm-hmm. I think Kevin O'Connell is going to pound the table for a lot of these guys. And if you just – I mean, I, I'm a big person on saying if if a lot of these quarterbacks, right, a, a lot of people, a lot of these mock drafts don't have quarterbacks being drafted in the top 10, top 12. If those guys start to go off early on the board – a lot of those big name guys are going to start to slide down, and I think that's this, when the phone rings. That's when the phone rings, and I think if if Kevin has that same mindset, there may be a possibility for us to trade back up if we don't get the guy that we want early on. Uh, the last time the Vikings were that aggressive to like move back into the first round to snag another person, that was the year we selected Teddy Bridgewater, mm. and I just remember it, it. You know, draft party. Don't forget to go buy your draft party tickets, but. <laughs> We're sitting at draft party and everyone is, we made our pick. Everything's kind of ramping down. And I remember getting a text from somebody basically saying, don't leave yet. Something might happen. And we're all just kind of raising an eyebrow like, what is going to go on here? They end up picking, moving back in and picking Teddy at 32. Hmm. Majority of people have left. Majority of everything had been almost shut down at that point. And then people are scrambling going, oh, you know, oh, crap, we just picked Teddy Bridgewater. This is crazy. Being able to do that and having that in a situation where you identify somebody 
that you really want to go get. If if we are that aggressive, I think the fans will be excited by it because it's something that rarely happens around here typically. But you need to hit on those kind of players in order to make sure that you're giving up a ton of draft capital, not only for now, but potentially future picks in future drafts. If you are doing that, you have to identify that this person is going to be somebody that you think is going to be a major factor. And I just that is the the speculation part of the draft is fun. And draft night is always exciting whenever the fireworks go off. But, you know, the uncertainty for this year for me is something that is is a a big check mark going. I I have probably feel like I have less information going into this draft about what we're really <laughs> going to do on top of all of the other players across the draft because you have a lot of people saying pass rush, there's a ton of pass rushers, there's a ton of wide receivers, there's not a lot of quarterbacks, you know, there's a lot of people that have been identified. There are a ton of needs across the board mm-hmm. for all these teams that all feel like those are the positions that they need. Well, what happens if all that stuff starts getting sniped in front of us right. and you start mm-hmm. falling down the board and then there's some somebody that you didn't anticipate being there that you jump on it? Um it's the fun part of the draft and and we'll just have to kind of keep keep hearing what's going on here for the next week and then keeping our eyes open draft weekend. I mean, I, I love this 12 spot. I think all of your speculation is so valid because it's at that sweet spot where in this class, not being very quarterback strong, those teams that need quarterbacks that are depending on the draft to get a quarterback might look at 12 and be like, they're going to be available there. That's half what the league. What can we give? Yeah. I mean, and that that's to me is what's so interesting about this draft because it's it's a class that sets up great for a team that's middle of the way when it comes to draft picks. Under- you don't need to trade into the top five. No, yeah, you don't need to mm-hmm. because if because usually in the past, if you trade into the top five, you know you're getting a quarterback. A quarterback, yeah. But like that's, I feel like that's a reason why not many teams have have traded just yet. I know a lot of the trades usually start to come in the week of or the day of, but mm-hmm. that's what makes this year so interesting. And Jay, to your point of like why you haven't really speculated or said anything because we don't like I'm I'm similar to you. Like I don't know how any like I've done my research on a, a lot of these guys, probably yeah. over 150 of these guys, but still I don't know what this new scheme is going to look like. Like we, like there's so many unknowns. So. A lot of the research that I've done has just been, all right, this is what this guy does. It's their strengths, it's their weaknesses, and this is how they could possibly fit. But still, there, there's still no identity. Like, we we haven't played a snap yet. We haven't gotten <laughs> to a practice yet for um, what what the new offense will look like. I know the only thing that, I, that keeps coming to mind is Matt Stafford, when he got traded from Detroit to L.A., first thing he said about the L.A. Rams offense is that it was the most – dynamic playbook he's ever seen and he says he's never studied this hard for a playbook in his life so if that's the case and kevin o'connell has the same mindset then i just i'm wave just that gonna magic wave. wand yeah exactly yeah. yeah going into this draft we there's usually the identified positions that you say we have absolute needs at x y and z typically there has been a very clear cut even on the national stage these are the top five to 10 picks at those positions that everyone identifies and you know those names by rote. Yep. The fact that I've heard, well, these are the top 12 wide receivers that could go off the board in the first, you know, potentially yeah. two rounds. That blows everything else out of the water. Yep. You're like, why are you paying attention to these other areas mm-hmm. when you have dynamic playmakers at cor- at wide receivers and then people who are fast enough to play wide receiver but didn't have hands? Like the idea of cornerbacks and wide receivers dominating this draft. Mm -hmm. I think the idea that 
pass rushers that everyone's identifying as well, saying is super deep, you don't hear a ton of talk about offensive linemen. You don't hear a ton of talk about tight ends and at this point. And, and that's and that's my point is like these, for lack of a better term, these sexy positions are are the ones that are getting all of the coverage going into the draft, mm-hmm. and kind of the 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 lunch pail blue collar you know guys in the trenches are the ones that are kind of being shoved down the 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 board here at least in the minds of most people because you're looking at it saying we have to keep up dynamically in offense yep. and defensively you have to try to do everything you can to mitigate the bleeding it just it feels like versus every other draft i've paid attention to since i've worked here this year's draft has been pushed as the mm-hmm. here are all your playmakers and this is who you need to know going into the draft. Yes, I feel like it's going to be like the 2019 draft in a, in, in a sense. Like I'm just thinking of Cleveland Farrell, right? He played at Clemson and he was on nobody's mock draft in the top 10. The Raiders selected him with the fifth overall, I think it was the fifth or the fourth overall pick in that 2019 draft and everybody's like, whoa, like where did this guy come from? Mm-hmm. And I can I could see some names like that this year like we, nobody's ever heard of him and they're in the top 10 and that changes everything. So to your point of, hey, instead of these first five guys are going to go off the, the off the board, the, you know, first, it's more so of like, OK, well, here are the top, like you said, Jay, the top players at each position and they may or may not go get off the board in the first round. So I don't know, man. I don't know. This is this is I hope I hope like Vikings fans are entertained by this because there there's so many unknowns. And I think that's what makes this thing so much more fun. My only comment is that the Raiders don't have a first round pick this year. <laughs> uh, they had they had traded a, their number twenty two pick away to the Packers yeah. in the Devontae Adams trade, and so that wild card will most likely be off the board here in the first round. <laughs> but who, what else is going to happen here? You have multiple teams that have like the Giants, have multiple four picks. Seven. Yeah, it really is kind of interesting. You've got like multiple teams with like two or more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you got the Giants here. Um, you've got the Eagles as well at fifteen and eighteen. You got. The Saints at 16 and 19. And, and think about like if you're those teams, you're either going to potentially package those together mm-hmm. to jump into the top 10, or you could potentially be sitting there with kind of a glut of players that you have identified and just know that you can kind of see how the tea leaves fall, make your pick at 16, and know you just have to get through two spots or not have somebody leapfrog you in, in front there if you're the Saints, mm-hmm. and know that you're picking two top-tier talent people within four picks of each other. For those teams and for their fan base, it has to be super exciting thinking about the possibilities. But those are also the teams that could throw a complete monkey wrench in this thing and, you know, package stuff together to get into the top 10 if they've identified somebody that they really need to have. Speaking of players who will make an impact this season, we have a special guest on the podcast today. I know that we've really kept you in suspense this entire episode, unless you read the description of the podcast. But we have outside linebackers Darius Smith on the podcast. Z has been a fast fan favorite, and we are excited to sit down and chat with him to get to know him just a little bit better. All right. Joining us now on the Minnesota Vikings podcast, Darius Smith. Yes, ma'am. As you like to be called, Z. Z. Yes. How's how's everything been going? It's been a couple uh, weeks in now. Everything's been great. Uh, get a chance to get with the teammates, um, get with the coaching staff. Uh, also, getting with the guys outside of the building. So it's been great. I've been enjoying myself for the weather. How was that? How was that Timberwolves game? <laughs> uh, it was great. Um, we got a chance to get a sweep, get all the younger guys yeah, in. Was fun. Um, it was something that they said they had never experienced. Um, an older guy taking them out. So for me to do that, I'd have learned that from the guys, you know, 
the leaders that was before me, you know, they taught me that. So to bring that, man, and, and to cherish them guys, man, it was a great time that night. What's the, what's the move been like? I mean, I know you're just going from Green Bay to Minnesota. Mm -hmm. What, four, three and a half? Well, probably four, four and a half, four-hour four drive. Hours. But still, like, Green Bay doesn't have, like, a big sports town like they Minnesota does. So don't. what's that uh, move been like and being in this town? You know what? Um, being a, being 10 minutes from a city is better. <laughs> I could say that. But being in Green Bay, you know, it's nothing there. Mm -hmm. I think you actually have to go two hours to uh, Milwaukee mm -hmm. to basically get a city Great. life. But, you know, it was all well. It was all good. Um, I think it helped for the best to keep us focused and locked in. I mean, you could do that anywhere, but just Green Bay is nothing to do there. Right. So to think about just football. Um it's all good, man. I can say that, man. But I'm just happy to be here. How about that? We've been hearing a lot of the players talk about when you met with the coaches for the mm -hmm. first time. It was, it's been fun. Right. It's been a different vibe, a different mm -hmm. mood. So that first day when they asked you to like talk about yourself in the yeah, meeting, like yeah. was that kind of a different experience for you? No, nah, it wasn't. It was because uh, a lot of guys knew my story and they wanted to hear it from me personally. Um, to sit down in front of the team and the guys to tell them. A little bit about myself, I was big, and also for other guys to know more about them. Um, it was big, and then just the first day, it was like the first day of school, you know. Um, everybody happy, excited, and, and it still feel that way when I walk in the building, but all is well and happy to be here, like I said. You talk about your story a little bit, man. I know uh, everybody talks about uh, Kentucky and then yeah. Baltimore yeah, and Green sure. Bay. Um, but understanding I have a couple of friends that went to East, Eastern Mississippi to okay, yeah, college, yeah. MCC. I mean, it's one of the best TV shows. <laughs> oh, yeah. For but sure. but it's, it's one of the best because it's honest and it's real and, right. it's, and it's raw. But yeah. at the same time, understanding where you were then, I, I was reading sure. earlier that, you know, usually people in the offseason, they get to get away from mm -hmm. from from Mississippi. Like Never you just got a stayed chance. there. Never got a chance to um, look a little bit about that. Uh, I played one year high school football. Mm -hmm. Um, I always oh, wow. wanted to uh, go to a big school, D1 school. I didn't have that opportunity because I only played one year. Um, so it was a coach that came down from East Mississippi and was like, I got your film. I watched your film and I want to recruit you. And I was like, where? Where, where are we going? It was like East Mississippi. I said, where is that? It was, and he was like, Scuba, Mississippi. Scuba. And I was like, Scuba, Mississippi? I never even heard of that. So – he was telling me a little bit about it, and actually I went on a visit there, and I was like, like, where is everything at? You know, <laughs> like, is there a store, gas station? It was the best nothing. restaurant in town, yeah, the gas yeah, station. Yeah, the gas station. That was the only thing that was there was two gas stations. So I was like, you know what? I could do this for two years and go to a D1 Man. school, and it could be real. And when I got to a D1 school, the the skip a little bit ahead, mm -hmm. I, I went to a D1 school in Kentucky, and I was telling them my story of how it was in East Mississippi, and they couldn't believe it. Right. Until the show came out. Right, exactly. <laughs> and then exactly. when the show came it's out, like, everybody, oh, yeah, everybody was like, man, Z, we believe you now. But um, <laughs> it taught me a lot um, to just, you know, be out on my own, and really if I want to dream for something and want to go big, you really got to work hard for it. Mm -hmm. uh, it also gave me the opportunity to get away from my friends from back home and not go back home every weekend because I wanted to learn the game. Mm -hmm. Like I said, I had played one year of high school football. I didn't know football. Mm -hmm. So it took the time out to coach me. Coach, uh, Shout out to Coach Jimmy Brumbaugh uh, for keeping me there on the weekends and just bringing me in the film study by myself on the weekends. Oh, when wow. everybody left. In scuba. In scuba. I was there. When everybody wow. left for the weekend to go home, I was still there. And I think that's why I'm so good now at what I do because I – better my craft and I got better each and every day. 
what led to you pursuing football that for that one year? Like what, what kind of, you know, made you not want to, or yeah. then really get into it in your senior year? It sounds um, like. I grew up a basketball player. Um, I played basketball all my life, but I came from a small town. I was a guy who was the center at my position at six, three. <laughs> so we all know it. That sounds like yeah, Alabama. Know, right? yeah. Yeah, it sounds yeah. like Alabama. So I got a chance to play AAU basketball. I had the opportunity I think it was Eric Bledsoe's uh, mm-hmm. team in Birmingham Ice. Birmingham Ice got a chance to play on it, traveled a little bit, and I got to Orlando to the. I think it was the Peach Classic. I think Peach Jam. Peach Jam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I got to the Peach Jam, man, and they put me in the game. And me being six three and the other center seven the foot Marcus two, Cousins. man, look, I was getting my shot blocked. I felt bad. Yeah. This was my before my senior year. Yeah. So I told myself, I was like, yeah, this is not for me. I didn't have the scholarships. You know, I had some small schools, but I didn't have what I wanted. So I went back to school, and that was the beginning of the school year, my senior year. And the head coach kept asking me to come out and play football, Z. Come out and play. So I tried to go out and ask him. I was like, coach, I want to come play because basketball is not for me. And he told me, and I hope this make it to the media and the websites. So he told me, he said, Z, you got to go ask all your seniors in your class if you can play because mm-hmm. I skipped the summer because I was playing basketball. Mm-hmm. Skipped the summer, skipped fall, the training, spring training, all that. Skipped it. He said, man, go ask your senior class if you can play. If if they say, yeah, you can come out here and play. So if them guys would have said, no, man, I would not be <laughs> wow. here today. You hoops. I was trying still, to have a hoop dream. I'd probably be somewhere working. <laughs> somewhere, you know, at a Hyundai plant or something. But, yeah. you know, all is well. I, mean, I want to thank them guys for just saying, yeah, Z, come out and play. So yeah. when did it click then? If when did it click? When like, it really oh, clicked? I, I may be pretty good in football. And I, I may, I may, you know I may what? go to the league doing this. You know what? I was late in the game coming into high school, so they was like, "We can't teach you technique right now." Mm. You know what? <laughs> Just go get the quarterback. <laughs> and I think my That's senior simple. year, I had like ten sacks. So I knew then, like, yeah, this is for me. You know, if I could actually put the skills and the techniques the, down the line, yeah. But you know what? Um, dribbling and using my feet with my hands also taught me how to use that on the football field, and that's why I felt like I was so good at it. So, so I mean, the NFL draft is coming up, right? Mm-hmm. And just looking back to the 2015 NFL draft, right? Yeah. I mean, you got all these guys that go ahead of you. I think mm-hmm. it was 17 guys that went ahead of you, right? Yeah, it was at and, the defensive end position. And I'm looking at the 2015 draft, right? The top five players in the draft with not the most sacks. Not even. Danil is number one. Okay. Preston, who you play with, is number Preston. three. You got Frank Clark, number two. You're the you got the fifth most sacks in that 2015 class. Man. So what? And, and we could probably ask Danil the same question. Mm-hmm. What would be your advice for for late bloomers in this NFL draft that's like not getting that credit? Hey, you're not going to be a number one, number two round pick. Like what I, would be your advice? Uh, like I said, man, just keep working on your craft. Um, I was a guy that had to sit behind a guy for four years, Terrell Suggs mm-hmm. and Elvis Dumerville. You know, um, and it was times to where Suggs didn't want to practice. You know, he's mm-hmm. an older guy. Um, oh, and it was my opportunity. So saying training camp. He didn't participate much in training camp. That's when I got my shot. It don't have to be in the game. It don't have to be when everybody's watching. You know, it's got to be when when those ones, when no one is watching. Mm-hmm. You know, you got to really put that work in day in and day out um, because your opportunity will come. I didn't know that I was going to go to Green Bay and make that much money. I didn't know that I was going to go to Green Bay and get that many sacks. Mm-hmm. But it was off, off of my work ethic of how I worked. I prepared myself to know that my time was going to come one day. I didn't know when, but I just knew that if I kept working, 
it would all work out. So here I am today, uh, like you said, one of the yeah. top five guys out mm-hmm. of that 2015 draft. Crazy. You know? T- technically you tied for fourth. Fourth? Yeah, with, who? with, uh, with Marcus Golden. Marcus Golden, okay. Mm-hmm. So if we're being technical, but still, like right. that's, I mean, that's, that's big time. That's big time. And I didn't play that much in Baltimore, you know? I didn't well, have that many opportunities. The, yeah, no, that's you're crazy. right. You talked about the four years. Right. It feels like a benchmark of your career has been patience. Patience, And yes. that's not something a lot of guys a lot of guys have even even nowadays when you see college kids mm-hmm. and 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 grads coming out and trying their right thing they want everything right now how did you learn patience how did that become something that is really in your character mm, i could say coming out of college i was a defensive end um being a defensive end with my hand in the ground uh going to baltimore i had to go to a 3-4 system so i didn't know pretty much nothing about being an outside linebacker or dropping. So I was frustrated. But at the same time, like you said, I wanted it. I didn't want it right now, but I knew that. I knew that my time wasn't right now. I knew that Terrell Sugg was basically still in his prime, uh, Elvis Dumerville. So just watching those guys, watching them work and watching them better their craft also taught me how to better mine. So. It feels like it's yeah. natural for yeah, you, to be honest. Is. Like you, you feel like a you are naturally patient person, even from the days in scuba. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, scuba that was the worst one. That'll force you to be patient yeah, for sure. Like, for sure. Just, but I mean, Man. you got to you got to see the vision. This is my last question. I mean, just understanding that vision, understanding when you were in Baltimore, you weren't mm-hmm. going to play much. Yeah. Understanding now where you are right now, where I mean, you and Danil are for the sure. edge setters. Yeah. How do you set goals, and where are you in that? Personal. I know what the the, mm-hmm. the team goal process. Where are you in your personal goal setting? Personal, personal goals goal? be better than I was last year. Well, let's not say last year. Twenty twenty. Yeah, yeah, the year before that um, <laughs> to be better. Each and every year, I make that goal for myself to be better than what I was last year. Um, to work on my craft even more. You know, throughout practice, spend more time uh, after practice just working with coach and just also having like good coaches like Great. Coach Mike Smith. Man, he mm-hmm. he loves the game and he was also a player once that, you know what I'm saying, knew the ins and out of mm-hmm. this. So him showing us the ropes, man, and it all is just paying off now to be able to come in and play with a guy like Daniel Hunter. Like I said, I was there with uh, Preston uh, from 19 to 2021. 20, mm-hmm. um, we also had goals to be better than we were last year, and look how that worked out in 2019 for us. So me and Daniel, we've been talking about it, uh, being one of the best duos in the league, man, and – we got something to prove because yeah. I know last year he he spent some time off too. Yeah. He had some time like yeah. when he was hurt. So yeah. we both were hurt. So we all got a chip on our shoulder now. And I hate it for the guys who <laughs> who have to go against us. Uh, yeah. Christian Derrissaw is looking at you being for like, sure. I'm going to get Brian much O'Neal. better Man. going up against you at, at practice, practice every yeah. week. And that makes time. Vikings fans so excited. We're also excited that you are here. Yes, man. And I'm, you here. guys are becoming fast favorites, fast <laughs> fan favorites. So we appreciate you taking the time to be oh, on the yeah, podcast for sure. today. No problem. Happy to be here. What a great conversation with Z. As I, I love that. It is a lot easier to just kind of say when you pass him in the hall. He's so friendly. You can always already see an immediate impact between him and the guys. When he took the guys to the Timberwolves game, I mean, the minute that happened, I was like, this is this is a good thing. That's a, that's a great thing in that you have a veteran taking the young guys, as he said, who had never had that experience before. And, and the fact that he just kind of realized to pay it forward and to take the leadership spot there and just to say, guys, this one's on me. Come over, let's break some bread, let's have some lamb chops and some crab cakes and go out and watch a, a game. And the game was really a lot of fun. 
it was it was cool. Uh, I mean, having been at the game, I saw the entire crew come walking through the hallway oh, when they cool. were there. So all of a sudden, you saw a couple of big dudes, and then you're like, and they keep coming and coming. <laughs> and it's like, yep, it was Z and the guys, and and it was really fun just to see them doing that. It was a great bonding experience, I think, for those guys. And so hopefully, this is the beginning of more of that stuff happening amongst that group. And it's great to have a guy like him doing those kind of things, even as the new guy walking in the locker room, he understands his position as a veteran that everyone's going to look towards for leadership on this team. And I think even if they didn't want to go to the game, when you say lamb chops and crab cakes, like I'm, coming, I'm coming over, in. Like, <laughs> let, let me know. But the fact that they watched a really good game also, I think it's great for just team chemistry, team camaraderie, that energy that they fed off of just from the Timberwolves that night. I think that kind of bring that they kind of brought that back to the building mm-hmm. when they got back that that following day. So having a guy like Zadarius Smith that makes this entire team better, both on and off the field. I know that even the night of the game, some of the players that we had interacted with when we saw them, they came over to say hi. They even made the comment, they're like, man, you know, this is my first experience of kind of a Minnesota crowd. And if our crowds are anything like this one, you know, we're going to be really excited and just kind of letting them know, like, yeah, this is the first time in a long time it's been like this that I've seen it like this, but this is a taste of what you can get. So hopefully not only for the guys, but for the fans as well, that they're this excited to have kind of this new change happening in the building. Yeah, I, I mean, his his spirit is infectious. Every time you sit down and talk to him, he's just an open book and completely like he just gets it. And I think it's a great veteran presence for these young guys to to learn from. And, you know, talking about young guys, we're about to have a whole new crop of them coming up. The NFL draft is a week away. Lots to talk about, dissect. Obviously, we already did that in the first half of the podcast. But one thing that Jay mentioned a little bit earlier and that I will mention once more is that the Vikings draft party is back in action. It is so amazing to have this happen once once again. I think it's been a couple of years. And yes. so to be back at U.S. Bank Stadium, we want to see everyone there. Tickets are on sale. It's going to be Thursday, April 28th. Doors open at 6 o'clock. You can see players, meet players. There'll be lots of entertainment. Um, it should be a lot of fun. Uh, KFAN will be there. Autograph session. So there's going to be a oh, lot yeah. of uh, not only current players, but also some of your favorite alumni. And honestly, the draft party is one of those events that internally we really look forward to because it's the signal of kind of official kickoff for the new season with the new players, the excitement just to get all the fans back in U.S. Bank Stadium, let them go run around on the field. You've got the NFL Network coverage. You've got the local coverage on KFAN. And the draft party is just a, it's a lot of fun to be around all your favorite Vikings rubes and to have everybody in one place again, really celebrating this team and just being excited about whoever we draft on draft night. You can also meet Gabe. I will You're going to be there, aren't you? Jay's talking like this has been like your 30th one, and I know it's probably like your 20th. So I'm like, it's Jay, been a lot. I'm like learning while you were talking. I'm like, okay, there's <laughs> this going on. That's There's that going on. And I just so happen to be there. So if you want to come say hey to either me or Jay, Tatum will be in Vegas. So you won't be able to come say hey to her. She'll be Hopefully you'll be in Vegas saying hi to Tatum. Exactly. Well, yeah. Hey, if you're in Vegas, you're come in Vegas. find me. I'll, I, need, I need to do some interviews for some fans. <laughs> so hit me up. <laughs> so there will be a lot both on site here in Minnesota and in Vegas. So Vikings sure. fans, stay tuned to the most up-to-date coverage of the team. I know this will be a, a fun, 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 and more fun time for everything Vikings-related. So. Yes. More information about how to get your tickets, make sure you go to the website, vikings.com. Vikings.com is also a place where you can see the latest draft coverage. Lindsay, Eric, and Craig have been hard at work compiling position reviews, 
and mock drafts. And it's like a one-stop shop. So you don't have to keep clicking on eight different websites. You can see what everyone is saying right on one at vikings.com. Gabe and I also are doing interviews with some draft experts that you can check out either on YouTube, the app, or vikings.com's video page. There's just a lot going on, a lot to do, a lot to talk about. We appreciate you choosing the Minnesota Vikings podcast and listening to us for the latest as well. Um, Guys, I'm just, I'm ready to get next week going. I feel like a week is going to fly by, but also it's taking forever. Next week's podcast will be a lot of fun. Yes. Eight more sleeps. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I love that. I love that. Eight more sleeps. Exactly. We'll have a podcast every night after the draft. That so is very true. That will be fun. So stay tuned. Even so, what we got five, four podcasts next Just week. Just four next week. That's Only all. Four, yeah, it'll, so. be, it'll be a lot of uh, quick edit from me. That's <laughs> yeah. for sure. Yeah. Well, and there'll be quick lessons. I think too. We won't. We won't do a whole hour long thing on. Honest, honest. minutes. That's the thing. Is like <laughs> those draft night podcasts. Just a little behind the curtain are some of the most popular ones we do for the entire season. And it's just because everyone is so excited about what just happened. So hopefully uh, night one, especially after that first round pick, we can not only uh, get you up to speed on what just happened, but also kind of set up the table for what's potentially going to come for the next two days as well. So stay tuned, enjoy it. And now uh, we're looking forward to it. Stay tuned, subscribe, like, and whatever else you do for these podcast channels. We appreciate you listening. (laughs) Yeah, listening is good too. (laughs) Listening is a good one too. But I think it's just subscribe, like review, rate, subscribe. I'm trying to get my podcast influencer voice. Don't they always have to be like, rate, subscribe, like the podcast or something? Click the bell. Yeah. There you go. Just do that. And we appreciate you and, (laughs) and, and stick around for more draft coverage as we get going. 